0: business Thanks for coming out tonight i wrote a manual a step by step
1: booklet for you to now get you can't see me my time is now, 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 now what up what up what up guys welcome back to the fitness times business podcast this show created To provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Medsell. I am your host, and you guys are in for an absolute treat in today's episode. I have sitting across from me IFBB Bikini Pro Nicole Tan.
0: What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. It's been great visiting Adelaide and the headquarters and it's seeing been, everyone. It's been pretty
1: cool, hasn't it? It's your first, uh, your first trip here to Adelaide. Yes. Uh, and I, I should have introduced you, but I just got straight to the point. But um, <laughs> you're you're an MJ and TMJ power sponsored athlete, of course, uh, which is uh, why we've brought you to Adelaide for your very first visit. Uh, and you've been here for a couple of days. We've been doing a whole bunch of media, whole bunch of content. And of course, I had to get you here on the Fitness Times Business Podcast. Um, I'm super excited to have our chat today. And we have so much to get through. Um, so I don't want to waste any time. And we're recording just before you need to get to the airport. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure that we don't run over. Um, but we're going to do... We're going to have... Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. And um, this is why you guys are in for an absolute treat, the listeners and the viewers today, uh, because I want to talk a little bit about your background. Um, for those uh, listeners who know of you, they they would know of you as, a, as an IFBB bikini pro and an online coach uh, and a posing coach and all of the things that you kind of are publicly known for in 2022. What a lot of them don't know is your origin story, how you went from Nicole Tan to the Nicole Tan, <laughs> <laughs> and how that journey has kind of played out. So I want you to kind of talk to that a little bit and and, and give the listeners and the viewers the Nicole Tan origin story. Um, and then I know bits and pieces about your origin story, and I've got some uh, deep diving questions uh, that I want to ask you that I think the, the listeners are going to be able to extract a lot of practical and strategic advice to help them level up. In really, I think a lot of value is going to come out of this conversation from the fitness side of things, um, from the the career development side of things, whether you run your own business, you don't run your own business, how to make those difficult decisions around what direction you want your career to go into, uh, and then... Little bits and pieces around how to approach adversity, how to use difficult things as as fuel rather than barriers. Um, there's, there's, the, um, I'm excited to ask the questions, but I've done enough talking. Uh, let's dive into the Nicole Tan origin story. Take us back.
0: Awesome. So I guess I started my fitness journey when I saw a before and after photo of a girl on Instagram of her glute growth and development. And that was all that it took for me. I was like, cool, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to be growing my glutes. And that was like my one and only goal and priority at the time. I'm like, I wanted to be like nice, slim and lean with like big glutes. That's pretty much what I wanted. And then obviously at the time, we went to a lot of music festivals and whatnot. So my first ever like mock competition prep per se was for the, you know, legendary StereoSonic. So Tread for th- Stereo. Yeah, see? exactly. That was the first time I ever like kind of looked more into the nutritional side of things, learned about macros, did, still didn't really quite know the best way of doing it. But I downloaded my fitness pal, um, did my bro science research online and then kind of like prepped myself for StereoSonic. Yeah. I was pretty stoked with myself and really enjoyed the whole process and everything. And then later on, um, my well, husband, um, Jeremy, started doing competitions. And so obviously I went with him to his first competition. He did really well. And, but more than that, I also saw all the other girls competing as well. Obviously I was there to watch him. Um, but then when I saw the girls competing and also I knew of quite a lot of girls who went to my gym, who, who was competing, it kind of sparked a, like just an interest in me and like wanting to give it a go and see what it's like.
1: Did you come from uh, like a sporting background at all? Or like what, what was your, because a lot, of, a lot of athletes that are attracted to the different divisions in the sport of bodybuilding have come from some sort of sporting background or some sort of performance background or, you know, something that appeals to either the physical side of the sport, you know, the weightlifting and the cardio or the performance side of the sport being on stage and, and, and presenting artistically. Did you have any of those sort of backgrounds?
0: So I was always very into being like active. I love fitness and I love sport. I was just not good at it. So (laughs) growing up, I tried literally everything. Like I played AFL. I did volleyball. Like I did just anytime there was an opportunity to volunteer because most girls, they were not really into playing sport and whatnot. And there was like a mixed team and they needed some girls to fill the spot. It was always me. It was always me wanting to give it a go. I wanted to be a part of everything. And I was just really bad. And then they're like, oh, we don't really want you part of the team. But (laughs) we have no choice because no one else would do it. So no, it was always… I was just always that person who like I loved it just loved being active and that Competitive side of things I just didn't find my thing yeah. um, I did love however like dancing Performing and I did do a Bachelor of Media in university mm. So I loved that side of thing As well which also comes into the competing Side of things when it's like being on stage And like having that confidence and stage Presence and all that kind of stuff so That was always part of me I just didn't know how to put my love For being active yeah. Like into it so I'm um, that's how I Found like bodybuilding and I'm like you know this is, This is my thing <laughs> That's it.
1: It's kind. Of, it was kind of like the perfect delta, I guess, of your, yes. your your different interests that you could really, really kind of pull on, you know, different passions and bring them together in the same sport. That's very yeah. cool.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah. So then I decided to do my first bodybuilding show in 2015. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was still in uni. Um, I think I was finishing off my masters in uh commerce, um, in accounting actually. Yeah. So that was like my last semester of uni. That was what I thought that like I wanted to do. I was still not quite sure, but I was giving this competing thing a go. So 2015 did my first comp in IMBA, which is now known as ICN. I came fifth and um, I was met with the rude awakening as to how much muscle I actually had, uh, which was none. And I competed at 38 kilos. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think as, you- as most first time <laughs> athletes, like, you you know, you think you're carrying a lot of muscle yeah. and then you do a contest prep and you get stage lead and you're like, ooh. Okay, back to off-season. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. So I was like, you know, the first time I ever… Like, I, I was a good level of conditioning, I would say. I was yeah. like, you know… I'm very happy with my conditioning. I did have glutes because that was the first thing that I was obviously like working on and whatnot. Um, but it was just small everywhere else. I always thought I had big legs because I always had carried more fat in my lower body when I was younger. Just had a little bit more of like, a, I was just a bit more lower heavy. But after getting lean, I'm like, my legs look like chopsticks. My arms look like chopsticks. Cool. I had like a little bit of like definition through my tummy and a nice small waist. But I was just small everywhere. So, you know, I knew that that was what I needed to do to get better and place better. But also I kind of felt that like I needed to change federations at the time because um, just the look of the girls that were placing higher than me was not something that I aspired to um, want to look like in the future. And I was just, I had a big interest and love for like already at the time, just like the Olympians, the IFBB look, and that was what I had in my mind. And that's why I was like, cool, my conditioning is kind of the… IFBB side of like conditioning and I know I like the size but I think for me to proceed to the next level, I need to throw myself into the deep end and um, make, just throw myself into IFBB. I know I don't have the size yet but I need to be in it and if I were to lose, I want to make sure that like the people that I lost to would make me want to look better, be better and make me want to level up like in in all aspects and all levels. So um, after that, I was straight to work into growing. I'm like, I never want to see 38 kilos on the scale ever again. Just, just, for, <laughs> just for
1: context, because 38 kilos is very light. How tall are you?
0: I am five foot, so 150 centimeters. So okay. I'm not very tall. Yeah. But um, yeah, I am a, just a smaller frame individual as well. Yeah. But but um, yeah.
1: <laughs> that being said, 38 kilos is still very, very it light. Is, what it do you is. just for reference? What what you've you've just come off um, an international pro tour? Yes. What was your stage weight at like the Pittsburgh Pro?
0: Um, so I think I was like 42.3. Okay. So, not, so not, we made, not a so, whole lot.
1: Heavier. No, but we made some gains. <laughs> we made some gains over the last, what, six, seven years. Yes, yes. So, yeah. it has
0: been a long, slow process. Yeah. But immediately after that show, I was so determined every single day to keep growing. So, growing was my number one priority, training was my number one priority. Yes, of course, it was my first show. So nutrition was not 100% there. Mm. The reverse diet was a little bit non-existent. <laughs> but at the same time, whenever I were to eat more or eat bad or all that kind of stuff, I just told myself, um, I'm going to use this as fuel to grow. Like, you know, if I would have like a burger, donuts, and just like have just like big meal, I mean, tomorrow I'm going to absolutely kill my workout. So since that day, I just there was never a day where I didn't think about getting better for my next competition. It was already kind of installed in me. So I worked very hard on trying to grow and all that kind of stuff. So the next year, 2016, I did my first IFBB competition. I did a state show. Didn't place, but um, I came in at 40 kilos. (laughs) So… There
1: we go. (laughs) So, you know, we're we're,
0: we're moving. We're moving somewhere a little bit. So um, I was just happy to just throw myself into, um, you know, the world of IFBB and everything. And um, the girl who won at the time, like she also looked really good. And again, it gave me that motivation to want to be better and to want to put on muscle. So that was the number one priority for me is to be in an environment and do a federation and a competition that would make me want to be better Mm -hmm. And for the winner to like inspire me and motivate me in all ways, you know. So after that, um, because Jeremy also competed in that show and um, he came second and did really good and everything. And we were all set to go to the Arnold's no matter what. So um, even though I didn't place, we were all set to go to the Arnold's. The flights were booked. I was excited. It was the second Arnold's ever. I entered the novice category at the Arnold's. And I came fourth, which was really good because they placed top six at the time. So I came back with my first medal. I was stoked. I was in the first call out. It was great. And I was like super, super excited. And then Jeremy won his class and was in the running for an overall title. So that was super motivating for me to just watch that and whatnot. I was happy with my placing. And then at that time, like he really motivated me to be like, Cool, next time I want to win as well. And like, I want, I can't wait for the day, like, I'll be maybe one day fighting for my pro card. Maybe at the time I was still not sure as to how far I could take it, but that was still very motivating for me. And I like, I want it to be better. So it was, in,
1: it was in the back of your mind. Yeah, so you were yeah, like, it kind you kind of know, planted yeah, the seed, yeah, you know? 100%. Yeah,
0: yeah. So after that, we took um, the next season off again. Um, I knew I needed to get bigger. So again, like conditioning and whatnot was all there. Um, just, yeah, needed needed to get bigger. So uh, back on the bandwagon of trying to grow muscle. And then the following year, did um, the state show. And I came second in the intermediate and the open division. So that was my first placing in an open division. So I was super happy coming second. And then um, that state show, Jeremy won the overall title. <laughs> So just always just that, you know, a little bit better. So I was like, (laughs) cool, maybe one day I want to win an overall title too, you know. So it was just always like, again, super motivating. And then we both went to the Arnold's um, after that. And then I got my worst placing ever. So I came ninth at the Arnold's um, in the open division this time. So obviously it was different from the novice. Came ninth and um, a lot of the girls who competed in that show were girls that I looked up to for a long, long time. And they all had... A lot, a lot of muscles. So I was just again, oh, like I've spent so much time trying to put on more muscle and I'm still too small. So but that's fine. Like, you know, we'll just, just keep working on it. So went back to work again and then decided to come back that same year in season B. And I did the state show and I came second again. And at that point, I was feeling a little bit defeated and burnt out, you know. Everything up to that point, I was, like, motivated to get better and everything. And that was the first time I felt a little bit, like, just a little bit defeated at the point. And I was initially considering doing the nationals after that. But um, I just decided not to. There was just—it was a mixture of me feeling a little bit tired for, like, pushing. And I'm just like, oh, I got—came second three times already. I just really want to win now. Um, But also— At the time that IFBB was going through something, it was not quite the split yet, but the judging was becoming a little bit not in line with what was happening in the US and all that kind of stuff. So I was not happy with the placing, but also a bit confused as to why I didn't win and all that kind of stuff as well. So I was just a little bit lost at the time, didn't really know what I was doing, but um, I started having a love for um, powerlifting. So just before that show, just rewind a tiny bit, um, after coming ninth at the Arnold's, I started doing a bit of powerlifting um, training to really try to grow. Mm-hmm. So after being disappointed at that show, I decided to pursue powerlifting a little bit further. And so um, I did my first powerlifting competition where I also did like a sanction comp. So I did like a novice and a sanction comp. So my official numbers were, and I was at 44 kilos when I competed at my powerlifting competition. So for my squat, I squatted 92.5 kilos. Bench was pretty shit, but 32.5 kilos for bench. And then um, deadlifted 117.5 super, super easily. So I felt like I could have done 120. I wish I did attempt it. But yeah, the official numbers are 117.5.
1: There's some very impressive powerlifting (laughs) ratios you got there, Nicole.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm definitely not
1: squatting two times body weight at the moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that was really fun. And obviously, it was a good break for me from just like bodybuilding in general to be able to focus on something a little bit more performance-based and at the same time, like, just not stop the training side of things. So I'm like, training for me, no matter how I felt and no matter what happened, was something I loved and, like, I never took my foot off the pedal when it came to training. I just loved training hard and everything about it. At this time, I um, was… Just kind of getting my footing with like my business side of things with personal training. Before that, when I was doing my Arnold, I was working in finance um, for BMW Mm. and we were working like 60-hour weeks because it was like in the car industry and all that kind of stuff. So when I decided that I really wanted to pursue – just my competing and bodybuilding career, I knew that like I needed to leave that and I needed to go into something that was like a little bit more in the fitness realm of things. However, it didn't take off um, exactly like the way I wanted to. So whilst I was like competing, I was still PTing. I was doing a little bit of online coaching. I was working for a supplement company and I was just trying to just still find my way um, in this whole thing and just trying to make the fitness side of thing work for me. I knew that I had my degrees to fall back onto and I could always go back to the corporate world and all that kind of stuff. But I really didn't want to because I knew that like I needed to make this work because like my love for being in the fitness industry was just growing and growing at the time. And especially after taking the time off to powerlift, I missed competing in the stage so much. And then um, the opportunity to come back to bodybuilding opened because the IVB had just split at the time. So I saw that as a new in for me. I'm like, cool. I was feeling a bit lost and I feel that now that they have made the split, drew the line and made it clear as to what they were looking for. And if you went the pro league route that they'd go full NPC, um, exactly how the Olympia is and all that kind of stuff. On top of that, it opened NPC worldwide where you could compete internationally um, for your pro card and um, in any country that you want. So um, the timing would work out. Because obviously we only have two shows in Australia.
1: Yeah. Well, before that split, which was the end of 2017, uh, if you lived in Australia, you couldn't compete anywhere apart exactly. from Australia. It was almost <laughs> like, it was it was like lockdown before a pandemic, <laughs> pretty much. You yeah. were locked in Australia. You couldn't go and compete in Asia. You couldn't go and compete in Europe. You couldn't go and compete in US. You had to compete in your country of residence and there was no exceptions. So it was very difficult uh, as competitors for us to kind of see the path to the international pro circuit. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, you know, turn pro in the season A, well, it wasn't even season A, it was just the season B circuit yeah. in Australia. It was yeah. like, well, bad luck. Try again. Exactly. Um, so it was very, very restrictive. But yeah, then the 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 split between IFUB Pro League and IFBB Elite happened at the end of 2017. And it was like the oyster opened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So continue.
0: Yeah. So it was just, it was just good timing because I was like just done with my powerlifting on a high because you know, I just, just needed a little bit of a break at the time. And but then I realized how much I missed it. And um, I love traveling, you know, so I love traveling. And so there was like a list of just like all these international shows you could go to and the different dates. So I'm like, cool, now like I don't have to be set on just these two dates. I can pick a date and a country that suited me. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I made plans to go to Singapore to do my first ever um, IVB Pro League show. So we went there, that was my first pro league show, first international show. And the first time I was ever in front of an Olympian judge, which was Sandy Williamson at that show. So mm. that all happened for me at that show. And I won my class for the first time. So that How was good. that was amazing. It's yeah. just, like just a big comeback to me to bodybuilding. And I'm like, you know what? I really love this. And I'm like, I really, really want to do this more. And I just felt like everything was aligning for me. And that fire was just like reignited just in Singapore. So I did that. I went into my first overall battle. Obviously, I didn't win my pro card at the time, but um, the girl who won it, she was absolutely amazing. And I love those kind of defeats where you just, you've lost and obviously you're disappointed that you didn't win. But... You have so much respect for the person that did win and that person makes you want to be better, What makes you just lights that fire and you're not off jealousy or anything. You're happy for them and you just want to be so much better yourself. It just it, She made me so motivated to be like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I like really liked her as well. We got along and I'm like, cool, I'm going to meet you again someday. And I told her this. I'm like, we're going to meet again in the pro circuit. I can't wait to compete against you again. And that's what I told her with so much just like joy and passion, you know, So I just can't describe that kind of feeling because sometimes, you know, when you lose can be a little bit of a bitter kind of feeling. But that was a different kind of feeling. And that's how I knew that like that was what I wanted and that was what I loved, you know. Two weeks later, went to Vietnam and then I did my first like muscle contest like competition, which was great. Because muscle contest is like a, it's American kind of show. And it was just like an amazing experience just kind of being there. And again, there was like an American judge there as well did that show. Um, I won my class again. So that continued to just kind of put me in that good momentum. And then um, when I fought for my pro card that time, I just felt even more so like I really, really wanted it. You know, in Singapore, it's a little bit different. It was my first time. Um, But in Vietnam, like I really, really, really wanted it. Um, But the girl who beat me, she was a girl from China who was like really impressive. She just looked so amazing. And actually last year, she was in Olympia. She made it to Olympia. Yeah. So again, I was so happy for her. She was great. I accepted her, my defeat to her. And um, one of the judges came up to me after and was just like, you know, you're really, really great. Don't stop trying, you know, for it. And it was like, it was so close between me and her. If there was two pro cards, both of us would have gotten it. But there was only one. And obviously today was her day and she got it. And I accepted that. And also that made me again, want to be better. And like, it made me kind of really think about my future and what I wanted. And I'm like, I want to be a pro. I like don't just want a pro card for the sake of calling myself a pro. I want to win my pro card, meet all these girls that I just lost my pro card to again in the pro circuit and travel the world doing that. That is what I wanted. So that also made me kind of like again, want to push more in my like fitness career. And so I'm like, even more so now, like I need to make this work for myself, you know, find multiple streams of income in the fitness industry that would support me competing. And then for my number one priority to be like competing and to be a professional athlete. Like at that point after Vietnam was when it really solidified all that for me. And then um, that was in about August. So then I did season A the following year, um, did the state show for the first time. That was like my first state show since the split. And I was super, super nervous about the show because I've never really done well in my state. So I felt like a lot of this pressure and everyone knew that I just went internationally and I won and all that kind of stuff. And I really felt like I had to prove myself in Australia and also kind of like prove to people that I didn't purposely go to Asia for like an easy pro card because I wanted them to know that like these girls in Asia were really, really good. And I didn't run away there for the reasons of it to be easy or all that kind of stuff it was just that the timing worked out well yeah. and I love to travel but I'm like I need to earn my place in Australia now yeah. so like it just that was, that was a lot a lot of pressure on that show well so, you
1: you'd placed second in in the state show a couple of times yes. up until this point as yeah. well right so it yeah. was kind of like well <laughs> I need to win you know now. <laughs> it's time to take that first place trophy Nicole exactly Let's and first this. place
0: wasn't enough as well I'm like, I needed to win overalls yeah. you know so I was like yeah. I needed to win my class and then I needed to win overalls and then I needed to go to Arnold's to win the pro card like that was like the plan because I'm like I already won my class twice you know I I need to win that overall now um, in my state and then go to Arnold's so before
1: before I'm just going to hold the suspense for the (laughs) listeners who don't know don't know what happens at this show and at the Arnold's um what was happening in your business your career at that time because you say that, you know, you've you've uh, Vietnam was really kind of what solidified the dream and at that point you were like, Okay, I need to make sure that all the different areas of my life kind of align with what I know I wanna do at this point. Um, so what was happening in your in your business and your career at that point as well?
0: Yep. So I was still all the plates. Like I was yeah. still doing my PT. Um, I was still trying to do online coaching. So online coaching hasn't quite taken off for me at the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like working hard at the whole um, PT side of things. So that was obviously really, really hard being a PT with the split shift and the hours. Mm-hmm. So I started to realize as well, I'm like, It's a bit hard to do the competing and also um, too much face-to-face PT. But that was like my main bread and butter. And um, so that was what I had to do. So the 5 a.m. starts and then like the midday breaks, coming back at 5 p.m., you know, working through till – 7.30 7.30 or whatever and then like working everything around it and then like also like on the weekends and stuff I would work like a nine to six at a sub store mm-hmm. and just like I did everything I could to again make this whole fitness thing work and again I was also pushing my social media so right. I was trying to set up everything for um like my my pro career as an athlete you know right. it was not quite happening yet my social media grew very 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 slowly and then um I started my YouTube channel Um, after I won the state title.
1: Okay. So you won the state title. won the
0: state title. (laughs) Won the overall. I was so happy. I think that was like the happiest I've been like in my whole career to be able to do that in the state like that I was from. So did that. And then, um, yeah, started my YouTube channel literally then to document my journey because I think deep down, I kind of felt like this is my time. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start like documenting it now because like I feel like gonna be a happy ending to this little series here so I started vlogging like my um, last five days leading up to the Arnold obviously went to the Arnold I won my class and then I won my pro card at the Arnold so that was just like a great ending to my very long and hard amateur career so when I won my pro card I'd done 11 shows. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I did my time. I did my years. I paid your dues. Yes, exactly. I did everything I could to win this pro card. And um, I was so, so happy with that. And I knew that it was not enough. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm like, this pro card is my passport to living the life that, like, I want to live. You know, I want to… Able to travel internationally and all that kind of stuff. So I took the rest of that year off to grow, obviously, because I knew that like I still needed to put on more muscle to be able to be competitive as a pro, um, but also to just really take my career to the next level Um, because I knew that like this is what I wanted. I can't go back to the corporate world. I can't be stuck in a nine to five desk. Like, how am I going to compete as a pro? I'm like, I need to make this all work out for me. So everything needed to be in line for me to be able to live this life that I wanted to live. So um, yeah, got to really pushing my online business side of things and what I was able to do after turning pro which I already kind of pre-planned was that like I was never gonna contest prep anyone as an amateur myself because that meant that like I might have to compete against a potential client and I knew that my priority would always be myself and I could not be a good coach and give everything to a client if I knew that like I would potentially be competing against them I just know that that's just like in my nature. So I knew that I need to turn pro first. And then I could just take on clients to um, prep them and hopefully help them turn pro if that's what they want. Because I'm competitive in all areas of my life. And if I'm going to be a coach, I'm like, I want my client to win. I was just like addicted to this feeling of winning. You know, I was like on a high, like all I knew was winning, you know. So I'm like, after I won my pro card, I'm like, Now, if I'm not going to be competing, you guys got to win for me. I need my high. You know, I'm like, I got to do this. So, um, I was pretty successful with like a lot of my comp prep clients. So one of like my first clients was actually a male client. It's Jeremy's best friend and also, um, yeah, like my my first male client um, lost about 20 plus kilos on him and then he went on to win um, a fitness model overall title. So, you know, um, got that and then a few of like my other girls are winning like first-timers titles and all that kind of stuff. And I was very, very proud of them. And what I always told them, I was like, you guys are doing so much better than me when I first started. Mm. I won nothing when I first started for like the longest time. And the fact that like you are winning, like and, and in, some of the girls were disappointed that like, you know, they came second in the open class. And I'm like, you want your first time as girl? I'm yeah. like, be happy because that was something I never had. So um, again, on the high of like just winning mm. and just like slowly growing, you know, um, as a coach as well through mm. that year. Um, very happy for that again still on a high everything was going great and I'm like cool 2020 is gonna be my year to focus back on me again it was great to focus on clients and career and get that high through them and I'm like my turn now I, I wanna I want to get back to me yeah. so 2020 I was gonna pro debut at the Arnold I'm gonna stand next to all these Olympians it was gonna be great it was gonna be a whole like, meet and greet experience. Someone's going to pick me up from the airport. It was just going to be this whole just life and vision I envisioned for myself. And then um, the plan was to, after that, get married in June in Bali. And then after the after that, it was full speed ahead with competing. That was the, that was the goal. I was going to, after Bali, like travel to Singapore, travel to Japan, and then eventually the US. That was always in the plan obviously, as yes, we all know now, 2020. 2020 not, had other plans. did not work out <laughs> for anyone. So six days out, show got cancelled. And then so that didn't work out well. So didn't manage to do any of that. And then after that, gyms shut down. So was essentially out of a job. So went from like no pro debut, no job, then also had to cancel the wedding. So I was like, Pretty depressed, honestly. Like everything just got ripped away from me. But the one silver lining that came from all that is um, my online business really started to boom then. And, and I didn't think it would happen. I was like, it's lockdown. Why are you hiring me? But I felt that like… People needed that accountability when it came to nutrition, some home workouts, they needed something. And um, yeah, just business started to really, really grow then, which I'm so, so, so thankful for. And also I was able to really focus on my social media side of things. I started continuing to pump out more videos and I felt like during lockdown, people needed that, you know, Mm. just something to watch as well. Like, you know, keep them entertained during lockdown and also just, um, you know the educational side of things as well that i was able to provide through my videos um i was able to film a lot of like um booty band stuff for like instagram and just really really work on that yeah. that helped me but also i knew that like really help people as well Like, because it was a dark time for everyone so i got a lot of joy um from doing all that so that was the one thing that mm-hmm. came out of like all that and I was still determined to compete. I was like, cool, season B, I'm still competing. This lockdown is temporary. This is not going to go on for long. So Remember when they said two, two
1: weeks <laughs> two to flatten the curve?
0: Yes, yes.
1: And then it was two months <laughs> to flatten the curve. Yeah. And then it was two years <laughs> later. <laughs>
0: so I, I was feeling very positive still at the time. Yeah. And then um, they announced the season B show and I was fully prepping for that and still, still determined to even travel internationally and continue competing at the time. So um all that got cancelled. And obviously, um, then I started to feel a little bit defeated. I was like, okay, well, now two of my shows got cancelled. Yeah. I'm going to take this time now to focus on a different aspect of my life, which is, you know, spending more time with friends, family, Jeremy. And I, because I always competed in season A, which meant there was no summer for me, there was no Christmas, there was no New Year's Eve, there was none of that, which I was always happy to give up. But at this point, I was kind of starting to feel like I, I've given up a lot now and I was still not able to step on stage and all that kind of stuff. So I decided that I would not compete in that following season A um, to focus on the other aspects of my life. And I had the best time with friends and family and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like kind of laughing in the back of my head, thinking like, oh, this show is not going to happen. Like it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. And Perth even went back into another lockdown and everything, shut the borders and everything. And I'm like... I'm glad I decided not to do this show because, like, I think that it's not going to happen. And then it happened. And then I experienced a different kind of, like, just, like, sadness. And and it was like a FOMO kind of feeling. I'm like, damn it, I should have pushed through. I'm like, I was so strong to this point. You know, why did I just not do this show? So there was, like, part of me that really felt regret, for not doing that show and just… It was just a different kind of feeling altogether. I'm like, it's sadness when you prep and the show doesn't happen. And then a different kind of sadness when you chose to not prep for a show and the show ended up going through. So I'm like,
1: percent, no matter what, yeah. season
0: B, come rain or shine, I'm going to compete. I'm going to prep and I'm going to push through to the very end. So I was full speed ahead. I was going to do the season B Australia show… And I was going to New Zealand as well. I was like, one is not enough. Got to do two. Got to have a backup plan. At that time, New Zealand was all good. Zero cases. Perth to New Zealand, all open. All was going to be well. I was like, I have two chances. You know, if one doesn't happen, I have the other one. And then both got cancelled. New Zealand shut their borders to the rest of Australia. Everything went downhill again. But this time I still, I didn't lose hope. I was just like, that's fine, because immediately after Tony canceled the season B show, he announced the date for the this year's yeah. pro show. He announced that date, and that date was what I held on to. I'm like, cool, I'm prepping for April. Nothing is going to stop me. And we're going full speed ahead. So I was just, determined and everything. At this point, business and all that was still going well. Uh, Slow, slowly, but surely kind of growing, especially the online side of things. And um, Jeremy was able to also really grow his um, online business as well, which I was really, really thankful for. He started to do really well. Um, So it was... um, just slowly setting us up for the next phase in life, you know. So, and um, at this point, everything was going well, apart from the fact that Mark McGowan has really, really shut the borders to everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait any longer. Everything else is in line now for me to go and compete. So I'm like, come April, I'm going to Melbourne. If I can't come back to Perth, then whatever. We're not coming back. I told Jeremy, I'm like, we're not coming back. We're going to go. This is what I want to do and we're going to do it. So thankfully for me, he's super supportive and um, business for both of us was at a point where like we could make that decision. The lease was also coming up for our rental property. So we're like, let's end the lease and move back in with my parents. My parents welcome us in with open arms and they were also very supportive for my decision to leave the state. They're like, don't wait anymore. You've wanted this for so long. Um, we fully support you going. Whenever you can come back, you can come back. And if you can't come back, you know, you have cousins in Queensland and you have a grandmother in Singapore. So, you know, and Jeremy's sister was in Sydney as well. So we had a lot of plan Bs and everything just, you know, set for me to do this April show no matter what. So full speed ahead, prepping for that. And I knew that that was not enough. I'm like, cool, we're doing Melbourne in April, but that's not enough. After that, I'm going to go to the USA (laughs) and we're going to be doing more shows. So that was the plan. And um, luckily for us, like this time, after everything that didn't go through, everything started to kind of come together. The prep was not an easy prep. I really struggled to get the conditioning. But the moment I left Perth, For some reason, all the weight just started to drop off. Everything started to come together, had a really successful kind of peak and everything was just in line. And I looked the best I ever looked for the Australian Pro Show, which was my pro debut. And I felt that that was like a, you know, your pro debut is something really special and big. So I was just really happy with how everything came together then. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better pro debut but of a, of course i was very disappointed with how i placed because i went into it wanting to win i was on a high from winning i was like i knew nothing apart from winning you know so to come forth and my pro debut, i mean it's good coming forth is good because every single person, there look absolutely amazing. You know, I was like, I had so much respect for all the other competitors as well. And that was something that really um, changed as a pro. It's not about you being better than them. And the me wanting to win didn't necessarily mean that I felt that I was better than them. I just felt that like, I wanted to win because I kind of suited the criteria the most. I looked um, the most like an Olympian or whatever the reason that would have been. And never that I ever felt like I was better than any one of them. But like I felt that like I brought my very best. Basically, it was how I felt. Um, so I was disappointed in the placing only because my plan was to win and qualify so that I could continue competing for the rest of the year without the pressure of qualifying for the Olympia because obviously we all want to qualify for the Olympia, but I wanted more than that. So I was like, qualifying for Olympia was not enough. I would have still went on to keep on competing for the rest of the year anyways, because that was what I wanted. I'm like, this is why I fought 11 shows to turn pro, so that I can compete in all these pro shows, travel the world, meet all these Olympians, stand in front of the judges, and just live that life that I wanted so, so much. And then to also... Doing that I knew would also grow my social media and um all the other aspects of my life as well, coaching, social media, all that kind of stuff that would also support my competing, everything would just sort of come together. You know, so that was a long term plan. And even though I didn't win, I was going to go ahead with that plan anyways. You know, I'm like, this doesn't change anything. I documented like the whole way through, Uh, got a professional videographer. So thank you to Jeremy for like, you know, helping me out with that. Like he found the videographer was actually one of his clients. Um, So we documented all of that for my YouTube channel. So that was something that came out of it, you know. I'm like, even though there was a not a happy ending to this series, I'm like, maybe people can take something out of this. That, you know, 100%. sometimes, you know, yeah. I, I talk about winning a lot, but sometimes winning is not everything. Even though I say winning is everything, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not, you know. So, um, yeah, I was just really happy with how all of that kind of turned out. Obviously, I went to the US and lived my best life. I loved every moment of it. Um, I didn't do too well in terms of placing, obviously I'm the only place top 16. So I had no placing in both. However, I enjoyed every moment of it. I competed and um, competed in the Pittsburgh pro, which was literally a mini Olympia this year. I met so many Olympians. I stood in front of Olympic like judges and I was very happy with the feedback I got out of them because it just proved that everything that I could have done, I did well. And, um, because all they said was that, like, I just needed to have a little bit more muscle, grow everywhere. Conditioning was great. Presentation was great. Flow, my structure, everything that I could have done um, was was good. I just needed, like, more muscle. Which the only thing I could have done to change that was to go back in time and start my journey a little bit earlier. Because I'm like, everything I've done, I've pushed to 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 grow. And I'm like, it was just still not enough time yet. Even though every single day, like, that was what I thought about about growing. In the right areas and all that kind of stuff. So I just need a little bit more time to grow a little bit more. But everything that I could have done, I did. So I was happy with myself. I was happy with the experience. I was happy I went. Um, And I was also happy that I got to be defeated by those caliber of people as well, because now I'm coming back with the experience of seeing in person how great these athletes are and getting the feedback from the judges and just getting that fire in me. Um, to be able to do it again. So yeah, that's where I'm at now, starting from the bottom again. But I'm still having that same fire that I did as an amateur. I'm like, you know, nothing came easy to me. So this is just one more thing that I have to fight really, really, really hard for. But everything is slowly coming together. You know, got to start somewhere. So.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> what a what a. Um, I mean, you you are incredibly articulate and you're a very good storyteller. What an incredible story. <laughs> oh, um, to to get to kind of this point, there's a few themes that. Uh, I immediately pick up on that are that are constant themes of, um, you know, the the really your your entire journey through the sport, your entire journey through your career um, that keep popping up over the last seven or eight years. The first one is you are able to kind of strike this balance. You're obviously very competitive, right? <laughs> like, uh, no, you you can feel that. You can feel that energy come from you. There's the competitive streak. But you're able to strike this balance between seeking inspiration from other people's success rather than being so competitive that you look at other people's success as kind of coming out of your pocket. How do you like from a mindset perspective, how do you get that balance? Because I see a lot of, a lot of the time it goes one of two directions, right? It's either you seek a lot of inspiration from other people's success and you're like, oh, you know, they're amazing. They're so good. I'm never going to be as good as them. Um, but, you know, congratulations to them. And it kind of, it, it, it almost diminishes the competitive streak. And then on the other hand, there's the super competitive where it's like, ah, oh, they beat me, you know, um, fuck them, I (laughs) should have won, this is bullshit and it's just super, super competitive and there's no appreciation and there's no inspiration that comes from seeing other people succeed. How do you balance that?
0: I think it's just kind of like being in the growth mindset and just like really enjoying the work side of things because Mm. this is something like I truly love. I think maybe if it was anything else that perhaps wasn't bodybuilding then I might grow more towards the like I should have won and all that kind of stuff but because I appreciate the work and the journey so much yeah. I feel that if I can appreciate other people's success and use that as fuel for me to get better and do better and I, I always want to be better and I mm. think that's also part of being competitive is being competitive with yourself you mm. know I'm like I always want to be the best version of myself. I want to level up in like all areas and I can draw energy through other people from that. And that's something I learned like throughout the journey quite early on. um, Just from the moment I decided to do IVB, I felt that like I could kind of find that. And I think that has really helped me to progress and be who I am today is getting into that mindset early, early on.
1: Yeah. It's one of the it's it's interesting that you mentioned growth mindset because it 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 really is one of the the fundamental pieces of growth mindset is to to understand that other people's success is not coming out of your pocket that there is an infinite amount of success and you can have as much of it as you want and so can that person who you compete against and so can that person who you compare yourself to it there, there's an infinite amount and you can take it they can take it, and it's not coming out of some finite well that you're all drawing from, and it's a competition to see who can get the last bucket out of there. Other people's success does not come out of your pocket, so it's it's you know it's such an important piece of of um, of growth mindset. Do you struggle with comparison?
0: Yes, um, with I have a very big muscle dysmorphia, so. Mm. Seeing myself at thirty eight kilos and all that, and then like when I came ninth at the Arnold's, it's like a lot of like I guess the PTSD that has hit me throughout the years. And I've always been a smaller competitor in terms of my height, my structure, my weight, just everything about me. Like I'm just small. You know, people meet me in real life, they're like, "Oh my god, you are so much smaller than what I thought you were." You know, so not in a bad way or anything, but I've always just like felt small. Mm-hmm. Especially every time like coming into a prep and getting leaner and stuff. And I'm like, cool, it's really great to be shredded and see these veins and like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, then there's this side of you that like comes in and you're like, oh, you don't have enough muscle. You're small. Look at all these other girls. And like honestly, at the Australian Pro Show backstage that did kind of hit me again. Like seeing how much more muscle all these other girls had. And yes, they were also very much taller than me. We do have other shorter, smaller structure pros. However, they were not at that show. Mm -hmm. So everyone who showed up to that show just made me feel so small. So that comparison side of things like does kind of like get to me a little bit. I always feel small and I always just like compare myself to my old self and just kind of be like, Have I made gains? And just really question myself. Have I grown? Because I spent every single day like wanting to grow. And like I said, no matter what I did and um, even to the point where I go out to party and I drink, which I do enjoy from time to time… I will not train on that day because I know that alcohol does affect your muscle recovery. And so because I make the conscious decision to drink that day and I will never drink unless like I pre-planned it. All my drinking and partying has to be pre-planned. We can't just kind of like decide on a whim. Oh, we're going to party tonight. I'll be like, I'm not going to drink because I trained legs this morning and then I'm not going to recover or whatever. So I'm like, I dedicated like literally every day of my life to grow. I am afraid that I haven't made gains. So I do compare myself to my old self Mm -hmm. and feel small. And then I compare myself to like other people and feel small as well. So that's kind of like something that I do struggle with like quite a lot and still struggle with but it, you know we all struggle with something that we kind of have to It's
1: it's one of the things you know one of um Theodore Roosevelt's uh famous quotes is comparison is the thief of joy. And it's something that I struggle with a lot um mainly in the business realm you know like if I find myself you know I, because I seek inspiration from the success of other people as well but there is a point where it spills over into comparison, right? Is it's like, well, you know, how come I'm like not at that level? Or, you know, when they were my age, they had achieved this much and I'm not quite there yet. And, the, you know, it, it can really start to to um, steal a lot of the joy that you experience in the process of pursuing your dreams. I think one of the things that you said there that is, that's a super important um, takeaway is if you find yourself in a position where you are comparing yourself to other people, right, and that comparison starts stealing your joy, you can go introspective and you can compare yourself to an older version of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) That's where the comparison should be made because if you compare yourself and like you mentioned, right, if you compare yourself uh, 2022, Nicole, to 2016, Nicole, or 2017, Nicole, or 2018, Nicole, or a previous version of yourself it can kind of cut through that, well, hold on a second. No, I have made a lot of progress, right? I am heading in the right direction because I'm a much better version of myself physically, emotionally, psychologically, professionally now than I was 12 months ago or two years ago or three years ago. So I think that that's a super important… You don't even know that you do that, right? (laughs) It's a super important way of kind of spinning that comparison when you feel yourself being sucked into it and going, no, no, I'm not going to compare myself to other people. I'm going to compare myself to previous versions of myself and that's going to allow me that, that distance to kind of go, no, 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 I can be joyful. And it's not going to steal the joy away from this, uh, from this moment right now. You have a habit of throwing yourself in the deep end. <laughs> Right, You mentioned yeah. when you went from your very first show in 2015 in IMBA, which is now ICN, to going, you know what? I know that I'm not going to do particularly well in the IFBB, but that's where I want to go. That's the deep end. Let me just throw myself in there and figure out how to swim. Right, And then more recently, in the last couple of weeks… You've gone, you know what, I'm just going to go to the US and I'm going to go and do one of the biggest pro shows, the Pittsburgh Pro. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I'm going to compete against the top athletes in the world. And you just have this, this um, habit of kind of going, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'll just, I'm just going to do the hardest possible thing and, and figure out how to swim, figure out how to make it work. A lot of people shy away from doing the difficult thing. A lot of people shy away from jumping in the deep end because you know what? First, they want to they put the little floaties on, right? And then they want to go on the shallow end and figure out how to how to do the proper swimming technique. And then they'll build up a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then when they're ready, which never happens, but when they're ready, they'll go and throw themselves in the deep end. From a mindset perspective, what's the driver? What's your internal dialogue that says, you know what? This is going to be really hard. And I know I'm not ready for this yet. But I'm just going to go and do it anyway. And I've got the confidence in myself that I'll be able to figure it out along the way.
0: There's a lot of things I think about. So the first thing that comes to mind is that if not now, when? Mm. You know, and also another thing for me is like time is so precious. (laughs) The only thing I ever regret about my whole fitness journey is Mm. that I didn't start earlier. You know, I'm like, I wish if I could go back in time, I would start so much earlier and I could be so much further Um, you know, along by now. And then the whole COVID thing and the losing two years, you know, that really also made me feel so much more and the whole just kind of like life is short, if not now, when, you know, and you'll never feel ready. Just all these quotes, you know. Nicole, you're (laughs) preaching.
1: You are preaching. Hey, listen, one of my... um, one of my uh, key frustrations at the moment, like right, right here, right now, in the middle of 2022, is we've all been through two and a half years of pandemic. and It's I like s- a
0: pause, a big pause. It's a big <laughs>
1: pause. And I still see people not wanting to take risks because they're afraid of failing. And I'm like, you just fucking lost two and a half years. But what are you waiting for? Or the, the real pet hate is, ah, the time's not right. <laughs> what, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Like, what are you waiting for? You know, if the last two and a half years hasn't taught you anything, it's that you have to take opportunities when they come your way. Because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You never know when the next lockdown's coming, or you can't travel, or you can't go to the gym, or you can't do a, a, a particular competition, or whatever whatever it is in your life that you look forward to doing, but you're kind of holding back on because it's not the right time. It's never going to be the right time. And if you haven't learned that over the last two and a half years, when the fuck are you going to learn it? Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you know, hundred yeah.
0: percent on that same page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: But it's it's interesting you know, how you kind of talk through that because it's really the balancing of two fears, right? It's, it's the balancing of, and this is something that, that you have done a lot, right? Whether you realize it or not through your journey, it's the balancing of, you know, I have this fear of failure, right? I have this fear of if I go and do this, if I throw myself in the deep end and it doesn't work out and for some reason I drown, That's the analogy. You're not actually going to drown, but I fail, right? There's that fear. But on the other hand, there's the fear of regret. There's the fear of if I don't take this opportunity, if I don't throw myself in the deep end now, I may never get the opportunity again. And time is running out for all of us, right? We only have a finite amount of time. It's running out. It will end at some point. And it's the balancing of those two fears. And I think it's pretty obvious from the decisions that you've made that. Your fear of regret is far greater than the fear of failure. And I think it's something that, you know, if you're listening right now and Fear of failure is something that is preventing you from taking that step towards whatever it is you want to do. If it's something in fitness, if it's starting your own business, if it's taking that new career opportunity, if it's asking that girl out or asking (laughs) that guy out or whatever it is, right? And you're just so afraid of what if I do it and it doesn't work. It's something to consider is will you actually be more disappointed in yourself later on in life? through regret that you didn't take that opportunity, that you didn't take that risk, and is that gonna hurt more than the possible fear of failure that you're experiencing right now that is preventing you from taking that risk? Super, super important. You also have a little bit of a habit of using disappointment at different parts along your life as stepping stones to move forward. And something that I see a lot of people do is they come up against a disappointment, right? Let's just take the the um, the polarity between 2016 to 2017 for you, right? You're 2016, um, you came fourth in the novice division at the Arnold. At uh, 2017, at the state show, you placed second. And then you've gone to the Arnold and you've had your worst ever placing, right? You've just kind of crashed back down. Disappointment. A lot of people in that situation would feel incredibly defeated, and they say, nah, I've taken a massive step backwards. Um, you know, this is kind of the end of the road for me. Uh, and, and, and it becomes an obstacle that they can't break through. You use that obstacle, and you've done this multiple times through your journey, of the disappointment kind of propelling you to the next level. How do you… What's your internal thinking around that, around using disappointments to, to go, no, 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 you know what, that's an obstacle. But I'm actually going to use that obstacle as the path to get better and improve and come back and take another step. How do you, what's the mindset around that?
0: I have two quotes that I always live by and always tell myself. So the first one is, <laughs> if you're going through hell and you stop there… Then you're gonna remain in hell. You you're know? Stuck. You're, you're stuck there. Stuck so you, if hell. you're going through hell, you just gotta keep going even harder, even further, you know? Cause otherwise you're just gonna be stuck at that rock bottom or just like, and if you're drowning and you just be like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna give in. Then you're gonna continue to drown. But if you're drowning and you're just like, no, I just got to i got to keep swimming. I just, you just, you gotta get out of it. If you stop and you give up there, that's where you're gonna remain, you know. And I'm like, our story and our journey is just like. There's not an ending until we say it's ended. There's only just kind of like hurdles to go through. Mm -hmm. And also like my favorite quote is like, treat every setback as a setup to your comeback. Mm -hmm. So I'm always telling myself that. I'm like, you can come back from this. And I'm like, the story's not over until you say it's over. So if you stop here, then that's where the story ends and it's a bad ending. Mm -hmm. But if you keep going and then eventually something comes out of it like maybe a success of this or something else you just just kind of keep going you never know where it's gonna it's gonna end up then there will be like that happy ending that you're kind of going towards you know and and I kind of feel like your failures or like whatever you may call it the bumps in the road a lot of good can come out of it because you can learn from it and also what I found now especially pushing the whole social media side of things. It's like, you never know who this can help, you know? I'm like, maybe me failing is what someone else needs to see and they need to see me get back up. Like, you know, just like, you know, Muhammad Ali and saying, you gotta get back up and all that kind of stuff. Maybe someone else needs to see me get get back up and this can pull them out of like the darkest moment in their life. And that also always just like, really motivates me to be strong for myself, but for like other people as well. And this is what I tell people posing as well. I'm You never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you lose in this moment and how you're taking it and, you know, how that can really help someone and make them feel and all that kind of stuff, you know? And like, so those people who do kind of like send me messages and tell me like, you know, oh, you know, this helped me, this motivated me and whatnot through my whole journey of like failing, and I have failed a lot, each time that happens, it helps me to be able to deal with the next failure even better and better. Because like I said, my whole journey through every single thing I've done in life has like just never been easy. It's always been a struggle. And it just gets better and easier. And again, being able to share this talk about this with people has always made it better because I'm like you know what if this doesn't work out it'll be a great story and it'll be uh, you know your stories will be boring if you just keep everything keeps going your way you Mm. know I'm like a movie story everything you have to go through something to make it a good story so I'm like this could be a great story one day so that's what I I look at it as and as and I was thinking about this through the whole pandemic I'm like imagine me telling my pro debut story one day when like I couldn't go to the gym, my shows got cancelled, chicken breasts got sold out, and I still continue through all that, you know? So yeah, we just always think about it that way. Like I'm like, one day we're going to look back on all this and it's going to be worth it.
1: Mm, so, make yeah. one hell of a story. Yeah. But yeah. you're right, you know, I really like the, the movie script analogy because you think about every amazing movie that you've ever seen it's always like a hero's journey type thing, right? There's ebbs and flows. There, there's, you have to have darkness to appreciate the light. You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbow shit. There's always a challenge. There's always an obstacle. There's always some difficulty or some failure that, you know, the main character or the main characters have to go through to get to, you know, the end point of the movie. Um, you are very, very good at committing to the journey rather than focusing on the destination um and i think that that's kind of come through through your competing it's come through through your business um and you're right like you know in all areas of your life it hasn't been a situation of you know what this is where i'm heading the the destination is where i'm heading and like immediately you get there straight away right for you there has been a journey right through competing you've kind of had ups and downs but you've committed to the training, you've committed to um, the, the prepping, you've committed to the journey of that. Same with your business as well, right? Like when you started your, you, you mentioned you started PTing, and you started your online business, and it didn't take off the way you wanted it to take off. But you had the courage to commit to the journey anyway. A lot of people really struggle with that if they're not destination focused and if they don't get to the destination within a certain period of time, especially younger generations now, it's like, you know, I want it here. I want it now. And the destination is everything. And there's no real appreciation or commitment to the journey. What do you tell yourself internally to go, you know what? The most important part is the journey. The most important part, you know, as you mentioned, is is through the failures is just to kind of, you know, get knocked down seven times, stand up eight, right? What do you kind of, what's your, what do you tell yourself to make sure that you're committing to the journey and not getting hyper-focused on the destination?
0: I think it comes down to me feeling like feeling happy Mm. is the most important thing in life. So that's what I've always been like since I was younger. I'm like, I know. And even with competing and stuff, I always tell people I will keep doing this for as long as it makes me happy. And the moment it doesn't, I'm not going to do it anymore. So that's another reason why it was easy for me to leave my job. You know, like I said, have degrees and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, the moment something does not make me happy anymore, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go that route. And when it comes to, again, competing or just like business and whatever, you know every goal you get to, you're going to feel like that small moment of happiness and you're going to think about the next thing. It does not last long. And even like me winning my pro card and stuff. And I remember Jeremy telling this to me as well. He's like, I thought that you you would feel happier and I'm like I am happy and he's like I just thought it will look different but because I was already thinking about the next step I'm like thinking about what I want to do next and like the moment of happiness you get from reaching your destination is very very short-lived so in order to be happy you need to be happy every step of the way and every like for the whole journey kind of thing. And I'm like, cool. So for me to be happy, I need to appreciate, smell the roses along the way, because I know the moment I get what I want, I'm going to be looking towards the next thing. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, again, happy and appreciative of the journey getting there in order to continue on with the feeling happy on the daily, doing what you're doing. And to me, that is what life is all about. Like, Being happy and appreciating things and everything along the way. Because once you appreciate something, that feeling of joy comes along, you know, because like bad things will happen, but there will always be things that you can still appreciate and be grateful for. And gratitude is something that like I practice a lot out of. And I think once you have gratitude, you can really appreciate the journey because like the journey is so beautiful. It's just every, every part of it. And anyone who's gone through prep can say the hard part is what makes us crazy people love prep so much. People are like, how can you just, like, eat that and do the hours of cardio? And then you're like, you know what? That's, like, a deep, sick part of me that, like, (laughs) I just love it. And, you know, so if you apply that to, like, every aspect of your life, you know, some people may look at it and be like, that's hard. That's annoying. I don't want to do that. But Mm -hmm. it's like, but if you learn to love it, then, like, you know, nothing can ever go wrong per se. If you can kind of, like keep at the enjoying the little things and all Mm. the parts that lead to it you know
1: yeah it's 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 something that's super important there's two things about the destination which really kind of um circumvent the the joy associated with focusing on it right and i think the first thing is when, you, when you've when you achieved certain levels of success, right? So you've got to a destination, right? Let's take, for example, the pro card because you mentioned that, right? So the pro card is at that point of your competing career, the pro card is the destination, yeah. right? When you achieve that certain destination, that certain level of success, and you think that that achievement is going to bring you the joy that you think it's going to bring you, and then you get there… <laughs> And you're like, ah, oh, well, this is cool because I've been working towards this, but actually it's not as joyful as I thought it would be, right? It's always, and you know, I've, I've achieved a lot of success in different areas of my life and the destination is never as good as you think it's going to be. Never. Never. And I see people hyper focus on the destination. And it's kind of like you know what? When I get that job, I'll be happy. When I um, have that amount of money in the bank account, I'll be happy. When I achieve that pro card, I'll be happy. When I have when I meet that life partner and we get married and we have a family, I'll be happy. And then they get there and they're not fucking happy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's you know happiness and joy is experienced through the journey of trying to get to the destination. It's not experienced when you get to the destination. And I think a lot of people are unpleasantly surprised when they are super destination focused and they reach the destination and they're like, shit, this is not what I thought it would be. Why did I not enjoy and be grateful for and embrace the ups and downs, the wins and the struggles of the journey to get here? Because that's where the real joy was. The other thing The other problem with hyper-focusing on the destination is it moves. The goalposts always move, right? So you mentioned once again your pro card. As soon as you went your pro card, what were you thinking about destination-wise?
0: Literally competing as a pro, going to Olympia. Like the the first thing you said, I'm a pro now. What's the goal? Go to Olympia. Straight away. Not even anything in between. It's just only now after experiencing a few defeats, I'm like maybe just try to get one call out a better yeah. next time. Yeah. You know, just kind of pull it back a little yeah. bit. But then I know once I get there, I'm like, I want to call it higher. And I'm mm-hmm. like, in my head, I'm like, even before, I haven't even qualified for Olympia yet. Mm-hmm. But I already know in my head and in my heart. One time is not enough. Mm-hmm. Once I get to Olympia 1, then we're like, oh, I want to be a two-time Olympian, three-time Olympian. Yep. How many times can I become an Olympian? 100%. It's going to be the goal. And I already, I already know that. And yep. so I'm like, I need to embrace every part of this. And for me, that happened at the Pittsburgh Pro after obviously like, you know, being disappointed at, you know, the Melbourne show. And obviously they didn't place well at the Orlando show. I'm like, this is… The amateur Nicole's dream mm-hmm. to be at this Pittsburgh Pro, to be in front of Tyler, Tyler Mannion and Sandy Williamson, mm-hmm. to stand next to Janet and Laura Lee and Ash K and just see them, meet them. I talked to Jay Cutler backstage and just, just that everything. I'm like, stop for a moment and realize where you are right now. This is what winning your pro card means. It means you get the right, the opportunity, the honor of being here, speaking to these people and being in this pro league family. Like you earned this, you never celebrated it, like really. Mm. So this moment here is your reward for working so hard as an amateur and once I told myself that like that's why that show just like meant so much to me because I was able to finally like take a step back and celebrate after the 11 amateur shows I've done because I don't think I fully kind of like appreciated what it really meant to be a pro because I wasn't able to compete as a pro. And I've always felt like such a, what's the word, like an imposter. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. deserve to be called that because I haven't lived as a pro. So for the two years that I've had my pro card that I haven't competed, I'm like, I don't really feel like I deserve to call myself a pro. But after traveling the world, flying seven flights to get to Pittsburgh, I'm like, I deserve this now. Now I finally feel like I've, Deserve to call myself a pro. I'm a pro. Like, you know, I went to America. I stood on that stage. Like, I can proudly… Like, I earned that title is what, like, I truly felt. Even though I earned it two years ago, I'm like, now I've earned it. You Mm. know? And I'm like, obviously, there's the next thing after that. But, like, that was when I was truly able to appreciate, like, everything. Mm. Yeah.
1: It's very, very cool. Very cool. (laughs) I've got two more questions. Yeah, yeah. I've got two more questions for him. You have done a really good job um, of not just pursuing your dreams, right? It's, it's obvious that, that you, you've you done that, right? Just through your story and, and um, you know, anybody can pick up on that. It's one thing to pursue your dreams. It's another thing to have a plan to ensure that your lifestyle pursues your dreams, right? And I see this… Um, in all different areas of life. I see it in business. I see it obviously in in fitness. I work with a lot of pro athletes in the sport of bodybuilding. And it's like, you know what? This is my dream. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit to the journey. I'm going to do all the shit I need to do. And, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. But then there's a lack of planning with career, business, family, lifestyle, finances, everything that needs to go into making that dream a reality... And the dream kind of collapses at that point. You've done a really good job. Uh, once you kind of, you know, you made the commitment in 2017 that you were like, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is the dream I'm going to pursue. You didn't just kind of go, and that's it. You went about planting all the different seeds in your life, right? You went about, you know what, the the corporate Job, the corporate world is not going to suit this dream that I'm trying to pursue. So I need to make some changes there. I need to make, you know, these different changes in my life to plant the seeds now so that hopefully when I turn pro and I'm able to, I'm able to, you know, move, move along the journey of pursuing this dream that I'll have all of the pieces in play to be able to do what you've just done, right? Go and travel to the US, spend three weeks over there, do a bunch of shows, come back, spend a week in Sydney. You're off to Singapore soon. Like you've set yourself up to be able to pursue your dreams. Where did the awareness come from to do that?
0: Um, It was like a mixture from um, obviously after the Vietnam show. I kind of knew that like this is what I had to do to… support my life because I'm like I knew from the very beginning like this is what I wanted to become a professional athlete but I was also very realistic to know that like professional athlete does not put a roof over my head you know I'm like yeah. so what do I have to do I'm like professional athlete also costs a lot of money you know I'm like I need to pay for the flights I need to you know competing internationally it's not going to be cheap you know so I thought about all the different avenues that like I needed. I'm like, cool, and I can't go all in on one thing because I'm like, I, I we now know that I don't grow fast in any particular area. So we need a bunch of stuff going, going on for me. So I'm like, cool. We got, we got, we got the PT, which was like my main source of income. But I knew that once I started to travel a lot that like, I couldn't do the face-to-face PT, which means my income from PT would drop to zero. So obviously I knew that like, I had to make it as an online coach, as a prep coach, do like online posing or that kind of stuff. So really, really pursue those areas and just like be creative with it as well. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. How can I do that? I knew that like, you know, Okay, YouTube would be another avenue. I'm like, cool, I need to really grow my YouTube channel. I'm like, one day I'm going to monetize my YouTube channel. That was always the goal. And I'm like, maybe through YouTube, I can pick up some extra sponsors. I'm like, if I just be really genuine on all my social media platforms, sponsors are going to pick me up and whatnot. And then also I got to win some shows. I'll get some prize money. So I'm like a little bit from like all these areas and Mm -hmm. I get to do what I love, which is training and competing. And then hopefully all this will kind of like come together. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of worked at it like a little bit, almost blindly with hopes and dreams, and manifesting, you know, but just like, I'm just going to put in the hard work. I've always worked hard in like all areas and then just like kind of keep manifesting it to happen and just kind of let it all slowly but surely come together. And it really started to, like I said, take off during like the whole COVID like a time, like, you know, online coaching started to take off quite a bit. And then I managed to quit PT fully about, six weeks out from like my first show Mm. and um, like the online side of things was able to kind of like sustain me and I'm like what really pushed the social media at the time. So I was able to use all those avenues and obviously you guys came into the picture at the time as well, which I'm like super, super, super grateful for and everything just kind of came together at the right time that I decided I was going to leave Perth. So Mm. that all came together really well for me. Thank God.
1: (laughs) A lot of people struggle with um, change because it's difficult and there's difficult decisions that need to be made. And in order to make those difficult decisions, you need to have a lot of courage. Did you struggle with any of those difficult decisions, did you ever kind of second guess yourself? Did you ever kind of go, oh, shit, I'm not sure, you know, if this is like I want to pursue my dreams, but this is like this is real now. I'm not sure if I want to make this decision. I'm not sure if this is the change. I know that I need to make it to support my dream, but it's really uncomfortable and really yucky feeling. Did you struggle with any of that sort of decision making along the way?
0: Um, Mainly when I decided to just… become a PT mainly and for the first whole year of being a PT I'm like did I make the right choice I'm like is this what I want to do can do how long can I do this for was something that was always on my mind as well I'm like being a PT I can't take any days off for leisure or Mm -hmm. being sick I'm Mm -hmm. like what if something happens what if I like get old? What if I get pregnant? Like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I can't PT anymore. The money is not going to roll in. And just like a lot of those fears. And I'm like, there's no superannuation when it comes to being a PT. There's no sick leave. And then it's just all that side of things that also come with like running your own business and being your own boss and all that kind of stuff. And not having like a proper kind of like, I guess, long-term business plan and all that kind of stuff, I had a lot of those fears mm-hmm. initially. And then I just kind of, like, got a little bit smarter mm-hmm. with things. And then just, again, online, um, really just the internet, mm-hmm. kind of, like, pretty life-changing. I'm like, the kind of things you can do with the internet, you know, I was able to kind of know that, you know, you can reach people all around the world with the internet you know, and all that kind of stuff. And there's so many ways to earn money through the internet and right down to like, you know, investing and just like cryptocurrency and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, and just like social media and how much money you can earn from like social media itself just like was mind blowing at the time. Because at the time, like it wasn't really that big yet. And I'm like, PT is the stepping stone. It was not the be all and all of all that kind of stuff. So when I was able to look at the bigger picture of all that, then slowly my fears of like, was this the right choice to... Pretty much, it wasn't the choice to become a PT, it was the choice to not work for someone, basically. You know, being your own boss, that's scary. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, the PT was part of the business, it was Mm -hmm. part of the Nicole Tan business. Mm -hmm. And then I started to add more pieces to it and then grow that a little bit more, grow myself as a brand. And then the final step was leaving the supplement company I was working for because that was almost like a safety net a little bit. I was still kind of working for someone. And when I decided to leave that, and I was like, Fully self-employed. That was a very, very scary feeling. But mm. I'm like, now I fully work for myself. Yeah. Like, you know. Now there's yeah. no safety net. I'm like, oh, name no of boss. Like, you know. So, so.
1: but where, where did the courage come from to make those decisions? To remove, firstly, to leave your full-time job, yeah. to go and pursue PT, PT. And then to take the safety net away. Where did the courage come from? How did you build up the courage to make those difficult decisions?
0: I Again, it's just like my habit of jumping into the deep end. Yeah. There was no… It's a common theme there, here. There was nothing that kind of gave me security. I'm like, yeah. if not now, when you know just all those same things and yeah. then just one day decided this is what i have to do mm-hmm. and then just kind of do it a little bit of blind hope you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah. but just got to if not now when kind of thing you know yeah yeah
1: it's very cool <laughs> it's very it's very it's very inspiring it's very inspiring to hear um you know somebody who has had the courage to make these sorts of difficult decisions uh to throw themselves in the deep end and have the the faith in themselves that they'll figure out how to swim that they'll figure out how to do it uh to use different setbacks as setups for comebacks Comebacks. as you as you so eloquently put it and use disappointments as stepping stones and use obstacles to kind of push themselves in the directions they need to go rather than blockading uh their journey and from pursuing their dreams um to seek inspiration from other people's success but be able to balance that with a, a super fierce competitive drive. And then to have the awareness as well to make the difficult decisions in the short term that will allow you to plant the seeds to pursue your dreams in the medium to long term. Um, it's very cool, Nicole. Like oh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of very, very uh, deep lessons that can be taken from your story. The last question I have for you, um, and I know all of the uh, uh, aspiring bikini athletes listening will, will eagerly be listening. Uh, if, if I didn't ask this question, um, they would uh, be very disappointed at the end of the podcast. What's next for you as a pro bikini athlete?
0: So again, continue to grow. I still need to put on more size on my frame and I'm just going to keep pushing hard for that. Um, One thing that all the pros have so graciously told me is to keep showing up as well. So I'm going to keep showing up, you know. I'm going to grow, of course, keep showing up to shows. Um, I have one more show planned for this year and I'm going to see how I grow, how I look before thinking if I should do another one Um, a few weeks later, like pretty close. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to take a little bit of off-season for the rest of the year and season A next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously we're going to have the wedding mid-year and then I I hope to go back to the US again or some other country. There's a lot of shows that I love to do because I love to travel. I love the Asia countries and whatnot as well. So I do want to go back to the US. I'm going to show myself in front of the US judges again and, you know, meet the fellow Olympians again and like I want to do that all again like going there even though I got defeated I just I loved it so much and I know I want to go back so I'm going to make the changes I need to for myself um, and I'm not going to stop trying so just want to get a little bit better each time you know I still have the goal of going to Olympia more than once so I'm still going to push hard for that but I'm also realistic to know that like you know muscle doesn't pile on overnight I know it's going to take some time and that's my only fear. Through this whole journey, I'm not scared of the work I need to do, the time I need to put in, the amount of money I need to pour in. I would do it. But I just hope it doesn't take too long. That's all.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you, you you have obviously the genetic potential. Um, you have importantly set yourself up to be able to pursue these dreams of yours. And I think most importantly… And, you know, I don't say this lightly because I have the privilege of working with a lot of pro athletes in this sport. And um, as you know me, I pick up on things people say and things the way people act and I can kind of dig into what I think's going on internally with them um and you definitely have the mindset that you need to take it all the way um so I'm super excited <laughs> and super privileged to to be able to be a part of your journey because I think that you are really going to do some incredible things um over the next few years and over as long as you you know as long as you're journey goes for. Um, you know, I, I, I really very, uh, very much look forward to seeing how it all plays out for you. I think it's going to be wonderful. Nicole, um, where can the listeners find you?
0: So Instagram at The Nicole Tan.
1: The Nicole Tan. Yeah.
0: Or on YouTube. You just have to search Nicole Tan IFBB Pro on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I am putting my heart and soul into my YouTube channel. so Your YouTube channel is amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know. And that's coming from someone who runs three YouTube channels, right? (laughs) So I'm very, very impressed. Uh, if you guys haven't watched any of Nicole's <laughs> videos, you definitely… Need, just just Google Nicole yeah, Tan. Yeah.
0: Nicole Tan. Um, IVB Pro. IVB Or on Nicole YouTube. Tan
1: bikini. Yeah, any of those sorts of terms come will come up. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. go and watch some of Nicole's videos because they're very, very good. <laughs> and they're not just… They're not all like bikini workout videos and what you generally expect. Like you do a whole lot of different… Sorts of videos on there yeah, as well. Yeah, so. I I
0: just love to entertain people, especially like when people say, like, this is what they watch when they're doing cardio. Yeah. Then I'm like cool, we're going to make it 20 minutes long because you are going to at least do cardio for yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. So let yeah. me be there
1: with you. So, 100% yeah. But yeah, those are the best places to find Nicole. Definitely go and watch her videos. Definitely give her a follow on Instagram. Uh, Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've gone a little bit longer than, uh, <laughs> than I wanted to but I really wanted to dive into those questions because I think that… The listeners have, uh, you know, been able to take inspiration from your story and really been able to take a lot of practical and strategic advice uh, from the different elements of your story that seem to keep popping up, that seem to be recurring. Uh, and I, I, my one hope is that the listeners are able to take some of those lessons and apply them to their own lives uh, to help them level up in fitness, business, career relationships, and their life. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, the one thing we ask in return, if you have enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed listening to Nicole's story, if you've taken some practical and strategic advice, or if you've just, uh, if this has made your cardio session go a bit quicker, or your drive to work go, A bit quicker um the one thing we ask in return is that you guys share the show um you can share it person to person next time you're with friends and family talking about podcasts you listen to or movies that you've seen drop the fitness times business podcast in there Uh, one of the cool ways that we really love seeing this uh, show shared is to take a screenshot of whatever podcasting platform you're listening to right now post it in your instagram story and tag the both of us so tag at the Nicole Tag at Joseph Menzel. We'll see those tags and we'll repost as many of those as we possibly can. Uh, and we really appreciate you guys uh, sharing this show if you have uh, got some sort of value out of it. Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for not just your time on this podcast, but for giving up your time at the end of this whirlwind, World tour uh, <laughs> to come and spend some time with us here at Adelaide over the last couple of days. Very, very much appreciated. Uh, you know, and we hope to have you back very soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks everyone for watching and listening today.
1: Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.